This is our last week of Matters of the Heart. And our main scripture has been uh, Proverbs 4.23, which is guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. See, the Bible's saying here that life doesn't happen to you. But what happens, life flows out of your heart. So we need to look after the flow of our heart because if we look after our inner heart, everything that flows out of that is from those thoughts and from those attitudes of our inner world. And we're actually doing uh, in groups, even online as well, we're doing in groups matters of the heart. If you're not in a group and you would like to do that, it's easy to get into it. We can still get anybody into a group. Is that right, Jeremy? Yes, yes, Sharon is a yes, and Jeremy's a yes. There are groups, people, see them. That, that's good, that's good. Hey, so I just wanna pray. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you that you are God and there is no other. I thank you, Lord, that you love us. Lord, I pray today that you'll reveal to us individually what we need to know, what we need to hear, what we need to feel, what we need to see. And Lord, I pray that we would leave here changed, that we would leave here lighter, that we would leave here and know that you love us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right, well, like I used to be into martial arts years ago now, a lot, lot, long time ago, and I did it for years and years and years. And one of the things I learned in martial arts was self-defense. I'm actually gonna get Dan up. Dan Bowman, come on, Dan. Big Dan, big Dan, he calls himself. So Dan here is actually a martial artist. So like currently, currently, I was past, he's currently. But what I, what I did, I learned a lot of self-defense techniques in uh, that, you know, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, we're gonna, like, but I, I just wanna show you one little easy one, okay? You wanna learn like easy? Like, yeah, okay. So, so for example, say somebody grabs you. Like just say, this is just, so what happens? Do you see, he's got four fingers on that side, but he's got one thumb over here. So where do you think you should try to get out of this? The thumb, that's right. And it can be as simple as twisting it like that with one hand, you know? Or if it was harder, hang on, I'd be like, yeah, you hold that. Yeah. But if it was harder, I would step in and I'd go like that. You see what I mean? But your head for the thumb, sorry. Like, like, like yeah, don't, don't practice that because you can actually hurt their thumb. Because their thumb, like, can really be painful and it can make you. Anyway, I better, better give me back the mic. Thank you. Give Dan, Dan hand. I just wanted to show you, though, because you, you, little things can make a big difference. Do you see? You head towards how you want to get out of it. So it can be twisting or it can be... So, yeah, I learned a lot of uh, self-defense. And, you know, regardless of whether you've done any martial arts or any self-defense, we've actually got an inbuilt defense mechanism. It's called fight or flight response. You know, your body has a fight or flight response and it's triggered by physical danger or psychological fears. So it's a built-in defense mechanism and it causes changes in your body. It actually causes physical changes. Increased heart rate starts increasing the blood pumping out. It gives you a every cell of your body, more oxygen, more blood, and, and, and like even your, your, the, your muscles, your lungs, more air, and it's there 
so that you can protect yourself from a perceived threat, or you can fight, or you can go, or you can run to safety. Now, in that circumstance, if Dan was doing that to me, the, like, and I don't know, it's just, a, it would, it's an automatic thing. It's an automatic thing. And same with your fight or flight response. It's automatic. Like, I, I, would, I would just naturally go like that, but I would come back and smack him in the nose. Because, because I learned from self-defense that, that you would, I would fight. Depending on the situation, I would fight. Because I'm better to hurt somebody and then run rather than run and have them chasing me, able-bodied. Do you understand what I'm saying? He's bigger than me. He could tackle me, he could hurt me. So if I'm right there in that vicinity, I'm gonna hurt him. And I, I would hurt him because I would aim for anything down the center of the body. Just a tip there. I'm giving away free tips today. But that's what I, like, because yeah, any, anywhere in the center of the body, but I'd probably go up with an elbow to his nose, which would really hurt him. And that'll put him on the floor. But what I'm trying to say here is, because then I could, I just show us, <laughs> because then I can run. All right, but all of that happens like that. I would do that automatically like that. Your fight or flight response on the inside of you does it automatically. You have no, it just happens. And you've all been in a situation, right? Who's been in a situation where they've had that thing happen and adrenaline rush and everything comes? That's right. You've been in a situation where that happens. You know, uh, like I've been in. Woolies, for example, was it Woolies one day? <laughs> it all happens at Woolies with me, I tell you. It's my mission field. Anyway, I was at Woolies <laughs> and I was looking at the shelves like that and I was just looking for something. And, I was, I, and honestly, I felt it before I, I felt and saw something out of the corner of my eye, which alerted me. I, and I didn't know, I just saw something coming for me and I saw an arm coming and, oh boy, anyway, it's all good, all right? And I saw something. So I immediately stepped back and I defended because I could see the arm coming and I was coming through with a punch because it's just an automatic reaction. You know what I mean? I'm gonna defend myself. And even a defense can be an attack and then bam. And then I realize it's actually someone I know. But, but <laughs> you don't do things like that. You don't sneak up on people, do you? And raise your arm like this. Who does that? That's just silly. That's asking for trouble. If asking for trouble, isn't it? Yeah, come on. Right. So, but, but did you see what I mean? Like it gave me an adrenaline rush and I was like instantly, <gasps> I had, you know, you can even sometimes find yourself breathless and that's why your body automatically sends more oxygen to your lungs, to your heart, everything so that you can prepare. So, so that's our physical hearts. And it's fascinating. I love, I love that we're doing the heart. I mean, you know, like the heart itself is an organ which pumps blood, circulates the blood and produces oxygen and energy to all of our cells. Our heart beats about 100,000 times a day. Boom, that makes you wanna look after your heart, doesn't it? So that's like 35 million times a year. And it does, it makes me think, oh, wow. That's a, that's a real busy little thing happening there. So, but our heart is amazing. But what happens if our heart gets stressed, like any muscle, it adapts. It grows and it thickens. This can be a good thing in some circumstances, such as exercise. That's what happens. 
it, it starts to thicken. It makes it healthier like as we exercise. That's why they always say, you know, get out there and exercise for your heart. Uh, and it grows in a healthy way. However, diseases such as high blood pressure, stress, thyroid disease, valve issues, and so on, these, you know, they can become a strain on the heart and they ultimately lead to heart failure. But just like our body and physical heart, We've got defense mechanisms in our inner heart, in our inner world. See, our, our heart, our inner heart responds to pain. You know, all of us were created to be loved, to be valued, to be accepted, to be in peace. But pain comes to all of us. It's inevitable. In John 16, it says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. So it doesn't say you might, it says you will. You know, it's not a question if you will face pain, but it's how do you respond to this pain that matters. The thing about defense mechanisms are they happen unconsciously. I didn't choose my fight or flight response, it just happened like that. So if, if, so if you do not respond, if we don't respond to our pain well, our heart can become hardened to protect ourselves from feeling pain. And I know this because I have been there. When you've been hurt, when your heart's been broken, when your heart's been wounded, when someone said something and it hurts your heart, you know, like it, even it doesn't affect your heart physically. It, it, you know what it's like when you have pain in your heart, like, and it usually comes from a loved one. You know, not necessarily though, because someone can say something and it can really hurt you, hurt you, hurt your heart. So, but we're created to have a tender, responsive and loving heart. So um, who's played the guitar before? I mean, Nick has, like your Nick's, Nick's played the guitar. Like I'm a guitar player myself, woo! I'm no Robert Cray, no one even knows who he is, but I like Robert Cray, he's like one of my favorite guitarists. But anyway, he's, don't listen to his music because it's not appropriate. But anyway, he's a great, he's a great, but he's a great, this is back in the day, back in the day, all right? So uh, before I be, started following Jesus, now I love like Christian music, of course I do. So when, when I first started playing the guitar, my fingers, used to hurt like anything. I mean, if you've, you've known that, and the longer you play, I used to have little lines running through them, and they were sore, and then I'd wanna play the guitar, but every time I'd touch it, it was so sore, it was hard. There's still, still not, I'm not talking about nylon strings here, I'm talking about steel strings, you know, and, and it really, really hurt. But what happened? Over time, the, as I played it, I started to get calluses on my fingers. And, and after a while, once you got build up these calluses, I could play for hours and my fingers not hurt at all because it's hardened. Now, what happens when we get hurt? When we get hurt, every hurt, we start, <laughs> and our heart can be hardened from everyone, just like those calluses. We just, we're trying to hold off the pain. We, we do that unconsciously without even thinking about it. So how do you, you know, like the wound, you know, we can build up walls around our heart to protect us from feeling that pain. Uh, so, you know, that's what calluses do. Calluses do that on your fingers, but we can have a calloused heart. So it's signs of a hardened heart. 
Now we'll take a deep breath. It's all good, all right? We love you. Everybody loves you. God loves you. So I'm just gonna start here. And there is nothing wrong with having a hardened heart. That's what I'm saying. I'm not, don't feel bad about it. I've been there over and over again. So these are just signs of a hardened heart. The first one is unbelief. We struggle to believe God and His Word. We're cynical and critical. We're closed off. We look to the future with skepticism, fear, and negativity. And we try to control our lives. I mean, that was me. Before I met God, I was an absolute control freak. I tried to control my life. And the reason I did that is because the rejection, the hurt, the offence, all these things that had hit me, if I could control things, I could control, can, could control any pain. That's what I thought anyway. But, that, but that's what happens. So, you know, that's one way, a sign of a hardened heart. The second one is we struggle to connect with people. Like we struggle to connect with our loved ones, to trust people. And, you know, we, we actually uh, can be critical and isolated. Our emotions get numbed. When, and you know, and we do, we isolate and we often process in an unhealthy way. It could be ignoring feelings. It could be numbing the pain. It could be sweeping things under the carpet. It could be use, you know, the overuse of drugs and alcohol or overeating or watching too much Netflix. I don't know. But you know, a lot of those things, I've had most of those things where I have tried to numb things down, numb my heart, not feel pain. You know, I've, I've found a lot of unhealthy ways to do that. So that's struggling to connect to people and trust people. And the third, way, third thing uh, that, are, that I've got that assigns, there's lots of them, but these are just a few that I've had myself, is to struggle to connect or to hear God. You know, sometimes we can find ourselves in a place where we feel distant from God. We feel like, where is He? Like we're struggling to hear His voice or connect with His heart. All right, those are just some signs, you know. And I'm gonna talk about... In the Bible, like there's, a, there's an awesome, one of the disciples, his name was Peter. You know, and Peter and the disciples, like they laid their lives down to follow Jesus. Some of them had careers. Some of them had wives. Some of them had families. They all had dreams and hopes, but they gave it up to follow Jesus. Imagine that. Imagine if it was you today, like Jesus said, follow me. Whoa, it's a big deal, right? So they might have been fishermen, but they had, they, they had lives before Jesus came along. And, you know, they thought he was going to overthrow the uh, Roman government and lead an army. But they didn't understand what Jesus' death would mean. Jesus was everything to them for three years. And then at the Last Supper, Peter promises Jesus that he will never desert him. Very soon after that, Jesus is handed over to the rulers and the disciples split. They take off. You know, Peter follows from a distance and he denies Jesus, not just once, but three times he denies him. Peter wasn't even at the cross when Jesus died. You know, I'm just gonna look at, in Mark 16, nine to 11, it says, after Jesus rose from the dead early on Sunday morning, the first person who saw him was Mary Magdalene the woman from whom he had cast out seven demons. She went to the disciples who were grieving and weeping and told them what had happened. But when she told them that Jesus was alive and she had seen him, they didn't believe her. 
Imagine that. Imagine. Like they, I, I think they, the grieving and weeping, they felt so bad. And Peter, imagine how Peter felt. He just denied Jesus. and They just felt really bad. Like, you know, their dreams were shattered. They were grieving. Disappointment, you know, in themselves and in God. Guilt and shame. Like, Peter must have felt horrible. Their hopes, though, they were shattered. So in Mark 16, 12 to 13, it says, Afterward, he appeared in a different form to two of his followers who were walking from Jerusalem into the country. They rushed back to tell the others, but no one believed them. Still nothing. They couldn't believe because they filtered, they, they, through the filter of pain, there was a hardness going on in their heart. And then in Mark 16, 14, it says, Afterwards, he appeared, as Jesus appeared to the 11 themselves, as they were reclining at the table and he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart because they had not believed those who saw him after he has risen. See, their hearts were hardened because they wrestled with unbelief and grief, grief itself can be a doorway to a hardened heart. If you've ever lost uh, someone very close to you, I mean, I've known many people who've followed Jesus before and then they've lost someone close. And it's really affected their heart. You know, like, why? Why did that happen? There, there can be things, so grief, that is my first one. There are causes for a hardened heart. I'm only gonna share uh, a few quickly, but the first one that I'm gonna share about is grief and disappointment. When you lose people in your life, when you lose things in your life, you know, you might've lost your business. You might've lost your husband or wife. You might have lost a loved one. They might have passed away. Those things, you know. And also, it's disappointment, like when we have unmet expectations. When we believe God for something and it didn't happen. When people let us down, we feel that God has let us down. See, we can get stuck in our past. We get, can get stuck in our pain. We can get stuck in disappointment. But our heart, and our heart can grow hard and it, it, you know, it's hard to believe again because it's trying to protect itself, our inner heart. But if we don't deal with our past, it will sabotage our future. So we can let go of disappointments and find hope again in Christ. And we're gonna pray for that a little bit later. The second thing that can cause a hardened heart is guilt and shame. It's when we don't feel good enough. When we've made mistakes and we're trying to hide, it, hide from it. When we feel condemned, when we feel judged, when we feel unworthy, our heart grows hard to hide from guilt. I mean, Peter can relate. He just betrayed Jesus three times. He denied him three times. I mean, I can relate. When I first came to God, I felt so guilty. I felt so ashamed of myself because of the past that I had led, because of the things I had done, because of the things that had happened to me. This is what can happen. I mean, I was bullied at school, but I retaliated and then I, you know, I fought back. And do you think that that helped me? No, it didn't actually. It hurt me more. Because then I, I had written on my heart that I was an unkind person and I was still not good enough. So, you know, this is what can happen. I don't know what your thing is. It's just one of mine. And, you know, I, I, I was in a school, intermediates like junior high, I think, yeah. And uh, there were over a thousand students and I was one of two Maoris in the school. So I got a lot of um, racist 
comments. And man, that hurts you. That hurts your heart. And, it, and I felt ashamed because you see, shame is not about uh, like feeling just guilty. Shame becomes who you are. I, I, I thought, well, you know, I, I, it's not like uh, I did a bad thing. It's like I am a bad person. Do you understand? So the shame, so my heart was hardened. I did not trust anybody. In fact, I hated a few people, uh, like at that time. And then, you know, years later, my sons went to McDonald's to get an ice cream. And uh, I was waiting for them. And they came back and I knew that there was something wrong. And they would have been, I don't know, 10 or something, 10 and 9. And, uh, and I'm like, what, what's, what's wrong? And no, none of, neither of them were saying anything. And then my eldest son started crying and my youngest one said, oh, you know, we went to McDonald's and these kids were calling Nathan Becky. Whoa, can you imagine what happened in my heart then? Everything, it was like deja vu. Everything came back. Honestly, my fight or flight thing was really happening. But also my inner, my inner heart was breaking. And I'm like, let's get up. And into McDonald's, I'm like, point them out. And they didn't, I'm thinking like, you know what? I am not gonna have my sons put up with this rubbish. You know, it happened to me most of my life, really, uh, like at that stage. So I'm not gonna have it happen to them. Do you see though, on the inside of my heart, what was happening? It was still there. This was still pre-Jesus for me. And it hurt. I remember going home and I was crying. I'm thinking, what do I do? How do I, how do I tell him that he's good enough? How do I tell him that it's okay? How do, I, do you know what? It wasn't until I found Jesus that I realized that, you know, he forms us. He places us in families. I'm meant to be born where I was. I'm meant to be a Māori. I'm meant to be a female. I'm meant to be who I am. And that's the same with you. Don't ever be ashamed of who you are. God made you who you are. God made you who you are. So, you know, failure is an event. It's not a person. So God never condemns and God never accuses. That's the devil. If you feel condemned this morning, that's not God. All right, so we've got guilt and disappointment. I'm sorry, grief and disappointment guilt and shame. The third one is unprocessed trauma. When we have tra traumatic moments in our life, and you know what, some of them aren't short, unfortunately. So, you know, sometimes there's actually demonic spirits can attach in a trauma. Josh mentioned about freedom experience yesterday. Honestly, if you feel like, I, I went to freedom. When I first came, I went to freedom. I didn't know what was going on in the si inside of me. But freedom is just why it's called, it sets you free. So, hey, I, I really, I, I think everyone should do freedom. I actually think everyone should do it once a year. It doesn't matter where you are. In your, we've all got things. We've all got things that, that we can get free from. Um, and online, we're running one on May the 18th and 19th. We're doing it over two nights from 7 p.m. But I'll be sending out more information about that. So we need to process these moments. We need to, you know, not sweep them under the carpet. Sometimes we actually need professional help. And that's okay, you know. 
I've been there, I've had professional help. And I've got to tell you, when I finished there, like it was, a, it was a while, man, I had some things happening. I had some traumas throughout my life. I mean, even feeling like, you know, you're not good enough. I mean, that's traumatic because it's the event that caused you to feel like that in the first place. So when I dealt with these things, I remember coming out thinking like, wow, my head feels cleaner and my heart feels cleaner than it's ever been in my life. So, you know, that's sometimes you need professional help. Just to, and it's okay. It's okay. It's good. So our heart can get stuck in these moments, but God can set you free. And the fourth uh, cause of a hardened heart can be unforgiveness. See, nothing traps us in our past like unforgiveness and offense. It's a trap. It hardens our heart. The Bible teaches us to forgive others just like God forgave us. See, forgiveness doesn't... Uh, make what happened okay, but it releases the grip of it on our own hearts, all right? So it doesn't make it okay, but it releases the grip on our, it lets us go forward. It lets us go forward. You know, there's a, uh, a lady, her name is Corey Ten Boom. Like during the, uh, World War II, she and her family, they saved Jews from being sent uh, to a concentration camp by hiding them in a room at the top of their home. When the Nazi officers learned what was going on, the house was raided and Corey was sent to a prison, a political concentration camp, and then finally to a death camp. But miraculously, she survived. And as you can imagine, I mean, there were many moments of hardship that Corey had to overcome even at the end of the war. She'd been traumatized, she'd been humiliated, She'd been abused. Her family members died alongside her in those camps. And one of those moments was at a church where she went and she saw a former SS man who guarded her in the concentration camp. Can you imagine? As that man approached her to shake her hand, everything in her reminded her of the horrid pain that this man had brought upon her. And even though Corey often spoke of the need to forgive others, she knew she couldn't forgive this man in her own strength. God had to do it through her. Corey writes, when he tells us to love our enemies, he gives, along with the command, the love itself. God gave Corey the strength to forgive and love the man when she could not in her own strength. You know, this is one of her quotes. Forgiveness is the key that unlocks the door of resentment and the handcuffs of hatred. It is a power that breaks the chains of bitterness and shackles of selfishness. Corey Ten, how amazing is that? You know, repentance is a key. Repentance is a massive key. It's one of the most powerful weapons that we have is asking God to forgive us asking God to forgive us and also forgiving ourselves. Repenting is changing a change of heart or a change of mind that involves turning from sin and turning to God for forgiveness. You know, I, I just feel that uh, God has been revealing things to you during this time about things that may have hardened your heart. And I just wanna spend some time, like if I can have the, oh, look at that. He's here already. Spirit Fingers is here. Rod, go Rod. Rod's amazing. But we're gonna spend a little bit of time and we're gonna ask God, you know, to search our heart 
You know, like there is um, an amazing scripture in, in Psalms that says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. God loves you and He's here. His Spirit is here, I feel it. So if I could just ask you to close your eyes. We're gonna do a little bit of heart work where we're gonna ask God, you know, is there anything, is there any area in our heart that has been hardened? Do I have any unbelief or am I struggling to connect with people? Or am I struggling to hear from God? I just wanna give you a moment with your eyes closed just to ask God. Spirit. Thank you that you're opening hearts. Thank you, Father, that you're revealing areas in our heart that we may have hardened. And Father, together, we ask for your forgiveness. Father, we repent of unbelief and our attempts to cover pain with other things, Father, whether it's drugs or alcohol or food, Father. Lord, help us to remove the walls that we've built up in our heart, the blockages, the self-protected barriers that we've placed in our heart, Father. Help us, Father, to come forward, not be isolated or not to hide, Lord. And Lord, I thank you, Father, that you give us a teachable, pliable heart. Come, Holy Spirit. We ask that you would cover us, that you would protect us, that you would give us wisdom, that you would show us ways, Lord, Father, we thank you that you're good. We thank you that you pour out your love right now into our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, God is good and he loves you. That's our heart work for this week. This is spend five minutes a day searching our heart. Do we need to forgive anybody? Do we need to forgive ourselves? Do we have areas in our heart that have been hardened that we need to hand over to God? Do we need to do freedom experience? Do we need to seek somebody out for help? Do we need to see a pastor or a leader? Do we need to see someone professionally? Let God search your heart five minutes a day, five minutes a day.